Welcome to episode one of the How to Read the Bible podcast. My name is Adam Beyer. I'm an associate pastor at Twilliger Community Church in Edmonton, Alberta, and I am so excited to be bringing you this podcast series. What we'll be covering throughout this series is the question of how do I read my Bible? We're going to start by looking at why do I read my Bible? We'll look a bit into what is the Bible, and then I want to give you some techniques to help you engage in your own personal Bible reading. So let's get started. Welcome to the How to Read the Bible podcast, a podcast designed to help you grow in your knowledge and desire for reading the Bible. So picture this. You have a bunch of friends over at your house and you're, you're visiting and hanging out. And you're in your living room and one of your friends, and let's say that this friend is a non-Christian, looks over and sees that there's a Bible sitting on your coffee table. He begins asking you different questions about your faith, and maybe you share with them that you're a Christian, you, you go to church every Sunday, and, and you read your Bible. But this friend is really intrigued about this whole Bible thing, and they look at you and they ask, why do you read the Bible? Why do you read this? Why do you give it the time of day? Have you ever been asked that question? Have you ever considered that question? When we talk about this whole idea of how do I read the Bible, I think that we really need to start with the why. Because to skip over this, I think we miss some really fundamental things that, that should guide us and propel us in our Bible reading. When I consider this question, I think about having grown up in the church. I, I grew up in a pastor's home, and I remember always in my life being instructed to read the Bible from as far back as I can remember, whether I was in Awana doing Bible memorization or whether um, I was in junior high and high school being given different reading plans, but always being encouraged to read. And maybe you can relate to that. It isn't uncommon for a pastor to get up in front of a congregation and say to them, hey, congregation, you need to be reading your Bibles. Bible reading is oftentimes the application point of a sermon. So if you're in church regularly, you're oftentimes hearing that you need to be reading your Bible. And this can spur us on in reading our Bible. And maybe you can relate to this, but I, I know that every time I'd get into December and New Year's was rolling around, I'd start thinking about New Year's resolutions. And year after year after year, I would make this resolution to read through the Bible in a year. And so I'd start in January, you know, I'd, I'd get through Genesis, maybe Exodus. Things would start slowing down in February. I found Leviticus very difficult to read. Maybe you can relate to that. But what was interesting in, in these times is that I'd be so frustrated at myself for not meeting my goal, not fulfilling my resolution. So what I'd find myself doing is restructuring my reading plan. Have you ever done this? Where, where you reformat everything so that, um, so that you can actually still meet your goal. And this usually results in you reading a whole lot more scripture a day than you originally planned. Now, reading plans can be good. Uh, the ambition to read through the Bible in a year, that's a, a great goal. But here's the problem. When after reading the Bible, if you're going into your day, you know, you did your devotions, you've read... If, if you're thinking more about the fact that you're proud of yourself for having read the Bible, or you're thinking more about the fact that you can check off a box that you did your reading, and you're not thinking about what it is that you read, or you're not thinking about the fact that you just interacted with God through His Word, then I think we're missing something. You know, the Christian discipline of Bible reading can so easily be reduced to a reading plan. It can so easily be reduced to, well, I'm reading my Bible because I'm supposed to or because I have to. I feel good when I do it because I feel like I'm fulfilling some sort of Christian mandate. 
But why should we be reading the Bible? Is it about reading plans? I don't think so. I don't think that that's the point of why we need to read our Bible. I want to look at three different passages in Scripture, and each one points to the importance of us being in God's Word. And the first one is in Matthew 13. You know, this is an incredibly familiar parable that Jesus tells. And it goes like this. It says, And Jesus told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sown, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, and since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, what's great about this parable is that the disciples are kind of scratching their heads at this one, and they go to Jesus and they ask him what this parable means, and he, he gives them an explanation, and he picks that up in verse 18. He says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one that hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Well, this is an interesting parable, isn't it? But what I love about it is Jesus takes the time to explain it to us. And he says that these seeds that are being scattered, they're, they're messages of the kingdom of God. And the seeds that are sown are sown for a purpose, aren't they? They're sown for a purpose. And we could argue that, that in the first three cases, in the cases of a bird snatching it up or the sun scorching it, or in the case of having the thorns choke the seed out, in each of those cases, the seed is not fulfilling the purpose for which it was sent out. It's not completing its goal. So we read here in, in Matthew 13 what the goal is. When Jesus goes on to say that, that when the word of God is placed on a heart that is likened to good soil, one that's ready to receive, one's, one that is willing to come to a place of understanding the word, that that seed goes on to bear fruit in that person's life. And not just one piece of fruit, but in some cases, a hundredfold what was sown, 60 times what was sown, or 30 times what was sown, which is quite amazing. So we read here in Matthew 13 that one of the purposes of Bible reading, the why of why we should read our Bible, is so that we can experience Christian fruitfulness. That God's word, the messages that are spoken in God's word, would bring change and fruit in our lives, that we would see a result, a desired result being produced because we interact with the word. So that's one reason. It's because God's word produces Christian fruitfulness in our lives. Now let's flip over to Psalms. And Psalm chapter 1 is probably one of my favorite Psalms, and it goes like this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. 
and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, what this psalm is immediately doing for us is it's contrasting two types of people. We have a blessed person, and we have a wicked person. And this psalm kind of unpacks what a blessed person is like and what a wicked person is like. And we read that the blessed person is like a tree planted by streams of water, yielding fruit in season. Its leaf does not wither. In all that it does, he prospers. And what this psalm does is as we read it, it should stir in us this desire to be like this blessed person. A tree planted by streams of water, this idea of its being nourished, all that it needs is supplied to it, yielding fruit in season. This beautiful picture of, of, of fulfilling the tree's designed purpose. Its leaves do not wither. When it's faced with opposition in its life and in its existence, it doesn't collapse upon itself. It's not dying. In all that he does, he prospers. So, so not only is it producing fruit and fulfilling its, its purpose, but it is prosperous in fulfilling its purpose. And as we read this, we should get this sense of, man, I want to be like that. But then there's this contrast that pops up where it, in verse 4 it says, the wicked are not so. And so we have the wicked person, the blessed person. The blessed person is the person, as we read this, that we're like, I want to be like that person. So the question is, how do I become like this person? And that answer to that question is in verse 2, where it says that his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates both day and night. Why do we read the Bible? Well, Psalm 1 is telling us that vitality in our Christian life, which is, is being strong and active in our purpose. It's, it's this idea of being full of life. Vitality in our Christian lives comes as we meditate on God's word. And so as we read his word and as maybe a phrase or something jumps out at us off the page and we start thinking about it, and then we allow the truth of God's word to settle in our hearts, that that works in us in such a way that we begin to experience vitality in our lives. So that's another why. So the first is that as we read God's word and we allow it to work in our lives, we'll experience Christian fruitfulness. The second is that as we read God's word, we'll experience a measure of vitality in our Christian lives, which is being strong and active in our purpose. Now, the third passage I want us to look at is in 2 Timothy 3.16. And again, this passage is quite familiar. And this is Paul writing to a young pastor named Timothy. And this is, this is what he says. He says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from who you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Wow. 
That's another great passage. And I love how this passage ends that as we read God's word, why do we read God's word? That the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Paul gives Timothy the why of why do you need to be reading the scriptures? And he gives four amazing reasons. The first is that it's profitable for teaching. It's this idea of, of receiving instruction. So when you think about the how of why do, how do I live my life? How do I work in my marriage? How do we build a church? How do we manage our finances? All these different things. Paul's saying, well, this book is profitable for instruction. You can learn from it. The next thing he says is that the scriptures are profitable for reproof, which is to rebuke or convict someone. And this is this whole idea of as we read God's word, maybe we read something and it's telling us that we shouldn't be doing something that we're maybe currently engaged in. And as we read that, maybe we're like, oh man, I, I didn't realize that, that this thing that I was doing was wrong. Or maybe it's something as simple as the way in which you deal with your finances. And as you read God's word, you read something there where you're like, man, you receive its teaching about how you should manage your finances, but it also rebukes or corrects you as to how you were handling your finances. So as you're reading, you, you're, you're taught, you interact with maybe you don't do this or you shouldn't do this. It's the reproof. The third thing is that it tells you what you should do. It's the correction. So not only is it saying to not do something, but it's, it's giving you what you should be doing. And then the last part here is that it's profitable for training in righteousness. Training in righteousness. So this idea of, of right living. I've often heard the Bible described as basic instruction before leaving earth. You know, this, this acronym, Bible. Well, what's neat about that is if we really believe that this is God's word to us, and we believe that God has created us and he's, he's designed us with a purpose, his word should really have a lot to say to us about how we're supposed to live our lives. It's teaching us how we are to engage in right living. How does God want us to live? Well, the Bible is profitable to train us in how he wants us to live. So those are the four things we get out of 2 Timothy 3.16. And again, it concludes with this great statement, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And I don't know about you, but when I read that passage, it hits me that, man, I want to be complete. I want to be equipped for every good work. So we have these three passages Why should we read the Bible? Matthew 13, Christian fruitfulness comes as we read God's word. Psalm 1, vitality in our Christian lives, being strong and active in purpose. 2 Timothy 3, 16, we need to read the Bible because it's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. And the Bible has so much more to say about itself in regard to why we should be reading it. And again, friends, if we really believe that this is God's word, if we believe that in the Bible we have God's God's own words given to us, another huge reason to be reading it is, is just to recognize that as we read God's word, we get to know him. You know, and this is often what your pastor might say from the pulpit, you know, that as we read God's word, we get to know who God is more. God's word reveals God's heart. Not only does it reveal God's heart, but it also gives us God's perspective. So maybe we're dealing with a difficult situation in our families or in our work lives. And in reading God's word, we can get a glimpse into maybe how God might view that situation. 
Again, the, the Word of God is profitable for so much. I want to leave us and, and conclude this episode by, by summing up a bit of what we've said and maybe by looking a bit more at the, the why behind why does your pastor instruct you in reading the Bible. And I want to do that by reading a, an affirmation of faith statement. And what that is, is that most churches will have a statement of faith. You know, it goes through several different categories of the Christian faith, and it, there are statements that say, this is what we believe about what we do in regard to this issue. And the affirmation of faith for the Alberta Baptist Association in, on the topic of the Bible goes like this. It says, we believe the Bible is God's word given by divine inspiration, the record of God's revelation of himself to humanity. It is trustworthy, sufficient, without error, the supreme authority and guide for all doctrine and conduct. It is the truth by which God brings people into a saving relationship with himself and leads them to Christian maturity. And I think that is a great affirmation, a great thing to sum up this episode, to sum up what we just read. Each one of those statements is based off of different passages in scripture, and we'll be talking more about this idea of why do we read the Bible as we go along. And so my encouragement to you as you go away from listening to this episode is that next time you read the Bible, posture yourself to receive God's word, to hear from him. You know, as we read about the good soil, how can you prepare your heart so that it's not full of weeds that might choke out God's message, so that it's not hard, so that the distractions of life won't come and just take what you've read, that it's not just shallow, and that is to just think about it for an instant and then go away and and never think about it again. So as you read, posture yourself to receive. And I want to encourage you, if you're going through a reading plan right now, that's great, but this might be a good season in life. This might be a good time as you're going through this podcast series to slow down your reading and to say, maybe just today, maybe I'm just going to look at one story in the Gospels. Maybe I'm going to look at one section in the Gospels rather than reading uh, three or four chapters or even a whole chapter. Slow it down. If the why of reading the Bible is, is Christian fruitfulness, vitality, And this idea of being equipped for every good work, reading the Bible should not be reduced to just checking it off the list. So I encourage you in this week to go and read read your Bible slowly, thoughtfully. Take in all that it has to offer you. For the purposes of this podcast, I'd like to encourage you to start reading through the Gospel of John. And maybe you'll start off with just a few verses from John chapter 1 verse 1. Uh, Maybe you'll read a bit more. Uh, And if that really doesn't feel like enough for you or you want to read more than just John, maybe you pick up the Psalms and you read a Psalm a day and and a bit of John each day and just slow down your reading. Take your time and hear what God has to say to you. The How to Read the Bible podcast is coming to you from Terwilliger Community Church in Edmonton, Alberta. My name again is Adam Beyer. Our theme music for this podcast series is from the group Hopeful Sun Worship Collective and their song, Opening Up. We'll talk to you next time. Walk in your truth. I will live in your freedom as I worship you.